Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. April 25, 2021 will be forever remembered in the wrestling world as an historic day because we now have a world champion that has about 67 belts. But is it Kenny Omega or is it Rich Swan? I'm going to assume that you already know, but I like to build the suspense. So my name is Simon Miller, welcome to What Culture Wrestling, and that's right, we have just had the Rebellion Impact pay-per-view. So the only thing we have to do before we are allowed to put it to bed is take the finger of power of the fop and give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down. And thankfully, that's what we're going to do right now. Let's up those downs. What a smart and great way to start Rebellion. I mean, Impact Management must have presumed, well, lots more people are going to be watching this pay-per-view than usual, so why don't we throw three amazing dudes out there and ensure they have an amazing pro wrestling match. Because it was the X-Division champion, Ace Austin, defending against Josh Alexander and TJP, and honestly, as soon as the bell went ding, 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 they just went 456 miles an hour, and also, they have really defined personas which help this even more. Because Josh Alexander is your submission guy, Ace Austin is your flashy guy, and TJP is somewhere in between, Oh, it is a bit like when you choose a character in Streets of Rage. Ace Austin would also ensure to cheat constantly with the help of Madman Fulton because he is a massive asshat. But some of the near falls and the transitions in this. Like at one point, TJP hit the Mamba Splash, but then Josh Alexander kind of just caught him and he applied the ankle up. But then TJP had Josh in one of his weird submission holds, so Alexander went and put Ace Austin in an ankle lock. So that was a three-way submission move. I mean, what would the referee have done if they had all tapped out? Even after Alexander kicked off TJP, TJP kept going for submissions, and then Ace Austin hit the fold, and then Madman Fulton was tripping up TJP, and then Josh Alexander was hitting the Divine Intervention for like a 2.99999. You had to get matchsticks and put them in your eyes, otherwise you were going to miss something. TJP then hit another Mamba Splash when Madman Fulton just grabbed him and dragged him out the ring. And honestly, that happened so many times on this card. Impact Wrestling officials probably need to come up with some kind of rule where we get round that. But then in all this fracas, Josh Alexander hit another divine intervention onto Ace Austin, who is the champion. And he got the one, two, three. 
He is your new champion. And yes, it was ridiculous that commentary tried to get around that finish by going, oh, well, the referee was too focused on his pinfall count to see the interference, and that was nonsense. But who even cares? When a wrestling match is this much fun, and is this entertaining, and a dude you wanted to win actually gets the win, you just have to put your hands together and say bravo. We then found out exactly how Eric Young was going to wrestle on this evening. And the answer was he wasn't. I was very confused on ups and downs last week, because he was all like, oh, I'm going to be in the match, even though he'd done an interview saying that he'd torn his ACL and he was going to be out for ages. But as it turned out, he had a surprise substitute, W. Morrissey. And now you're saying to yourself, Simon, who the hell is W. Morrissey? Well, it's none other than WWE's Big Cass, who is now back on the wrestling scene and has debuted not only in Impact Wrestling, but with Violent by Design. And as we know, VBD are a great group. And now they're just filled with massive men. I also think this whole feud has been really well done and Violent by Design should be invading AEW at the earliest opportunity. And again, because it is just a bunch of gigantic dudes, it's Eric Young, who may be the smallest guy, controls them. Even though they were going up against the likes of James Storm, Willie Mack, Eddie Edwards and Chris Saban, Morrissey just ruined all of them. Especially James Storm. Willie Mack got an early hot tag, but he was cut off almost instantly. And what we essentially did, in the first few minutes, we rang out the tag team collection, ah, to let everybody know they're allowed to get in the ring and just go crazy. But even when they did, have a guess who made sure he beat literally everybody up? That's right, it was Big Cass. Sorry, WWE, W. Morrissey. Chris Saban then suplexed Cody Dina into everybody who was on the outside. And somewhere you could hear Jim Ross going, damn it, you've got to stop doing this. But he did kind of tie into the finish because Willie Mackner went for a stunner on Morrissey. But he's just too flipping gigantic. He hit the East Coast Crossing or whatever the hell it was called. It's basically a black hole slam. He got the victory. And if you are bringing in a mammoth human being and you want him to look dominant, this is exactly how you should have done it. Morrissey then just continued to murder Mac until a bunch of referees had to come out and calm him down. And what's more important than any of this is that if you do indeed know Morrissey's story, he has been through hell and back in his personal life. So seeing him back on wrestling TV and looking so healthy, well, that made me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. And good for him. What an inspiration. As it then turned out, we also had a WrestleMania 37 situation on our hands. What I mean by that is a lot of builds for that show were kind of so-so, but you were excited about the match. And when it was Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers, I realized, well, again, I haven't thought much of the promotion, but in terms of me getting to see it, I was nice and ready. We stuck to this idea too that Brian Myers is a massive coward because he would basically attack Matt Cardona and then he'd run away again. He'd leg it until he was able to grab Matt and chuck his back into the guardrail. And the reason that made me laugh is because I was like, why do we need a guardrail? There's literally no feds. This became the focus of the story too because Cardona's back just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And the only way he was able to get back on the front foot was going after Brian Myers' eye which does stand for reason. Brian Myers had an injured eye for around about 42 years. He would be worried about not being able to see again. Cardona then hit a radio silence on the entrance ramp. And I thought that was stupid because that's going to hurt your coccyx and therefore your back. And then after the prerequisite near falls, we built to this finish, which was both kind of nuts and kind of fascinating. Because Matt went for another radio silence, but Brian Myers caught him and threw him up in the air. And when Matt landed on his knee, he sold it so well, it genuinely looked like his leg had shattered into a thousand pieces. And I'm sure it was all part of the plan because after the referee had thrown up the dreaded X symbol, out came a bunch of other officials to tend to Matt Cardona. 
But Brian Myers doesn't care about that. Brian Myers is a giant ass hat. So he hit two roster cut clotheslines and used this situation to his advantage. And he used it to get the win. So yes, the finish was a little bit different. But what all wrestling companies need to do is to define the rules. Because here we were so worried about Matt Cardona, we were going to stop the thing. And then in around about 10 minutes time, Sammy Callahan was going to be killing Trey Miguel. But just because that was a last man standing match, apparently it was okay. However, I did think this was creative. It also allows us to continue the feud. So that's fine. Tia Miller was then interviewing Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone and Jerry Lynn and Aubrey Edwards, who was there because Tony Khan doesn't trust the Impact Wrestling referees. So he's brought one of his own. Scott Demore then arrived and said, look, we've got Brian Hebner. He can definitely do the job. The whole point of this segment was to let you know, one way or the other, we are definitely having a winner-takes-all champion later on. The women's tag team titles are up next, and we did what we had to do. Commentary mentioned that Jazz has applied for her manager's license, and she came out with Jordine Grace and Rachel Ellering here, so I guess they're going to be a three-person unit for a while. And man, did Jazz pick the right team to back? Because Jordine Grace and Rachel Ellering are your brand new tag team champs. This was classic power and speed stuff too, given that Grace and Ellering are far bigger than Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. So Impact just kept things nice and simple here, and we had a nice and simple and entertaining tag team match. I mean, the big thing here is that we had to finally give it to Jordan Grace, because if we didn't do that, my word would her quest to become a tag team champion be a little bit underwhelming. And I do admit that Fire and Flavor never really had a proper feud during their championship run. Maybe that's what we can do now. Hogan and Steels are a really good tag team though because they cut off the ring and they make quick tags and they do double team moves. And that's exactly what they were doing to Jordine in the early going here. And they probably could have won the thing if at one stage they hadn't have crashed into each other. But at one stage, that's exactly what they did. This led to Ellering get the hot tag and you saw glimpses of what this tag team with her and Jordine Grace were going to be able to do and it was pretty good. The only problem being when Steels got thrown over the top rope and just crumpled as she hit the apron. It scared the absolute shib out of me, as did the dive that Jordine Grace did second afterwards, because she too just went flying into the mat. I was getting very scared. This did leave Hogan and Ellering in the ring, and thankfully there were no shenanigans either. Rachel Ellering hit this suplex powerbomb thingamajig, and she got the one, two, three, which means she's now in Impact Wrestling on her debut, and she is a champion. But hey, why the hell not? If you want to make someone a star, that's a pretty good way to do it. So there was nothing wrong with any of this. We could probably do a rematch and they'll continue to have decent matches. So yeah, okay, fine, good. It was then time for Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel in this last man standing match. And I think we need to shine a bigger spotlight on this. I understand why the focus has been Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. That stands to reason. But the build to this has been excellent. This match was really, really fun, entertaining, even though Trey Miguel got killed. Someone just needs to say, hey, go and watch this. So I'll do it. Go and watch this. Up. They didn't muck around at all because this was crazy violent. And yes, was essentially Sammy Callahan murdering Trey Miguel. I mean, straight away, Trey went for a dive. Sammy got out the way and Miguel went careening into the guardrail that again didn't even need to be there. And if he had turned around and blood had just been pouring from his head, I would have gone, oh, well, there's no surprise. My flubbing word. Callahan also just picked him up and chucked him over the top rope to the floor at one point, and that looked like it sucked too. And then he was using chains, he was using chairs, just chucking them into Trey Miguel's head. And he had a wrench, and he was sticking it in Miguel's mouth. They were also being pretty creative, I suppose is the right word, because we had a table down on its front with the legs hanging up. So Sammy Callahan took Trey Miguel, and he gave him a slam 
onto one of the pole legs that was just sticking up from the floor. You can't fake that. That's just going to hurt. He then pile drove Miguel from the top rope and the table didn't break. And honestly, that made it look even more vicious than it would have done otherwise. Given that it didn't smash, Callahan decided, well, okay, then I'm going to take this poor fool and pile drive him into the steel steps. And then he got the stairs and he basically crushed Trey Miguel because he was like, well, if he's stuck under this heavy thing, how the hell is he going to get up for the count of 10? Unfortunately, that didn't work at all because Trey Miguel was able to roll out underneath the ring get some breathing time, and then he grabbed Sammy Callahan in a cutter position. He ran along the apron and gave him the move through another table. And I was like, well, this thing is just absolutely stupid. Kind of surprisingly, that was enough for Trey Miguel to get the victory too, because Sammy Callahan wasn't able to make up for the count of 10. But honestly, Trey Miguel didn't look like the victor here. And I will admit, maybe Sammy Callahan needed to take just a little bit more punishment because he had wrecked Trey Miguel. And like, in comparison, Trey Miguel had just given him a little slap. This was properly nuts, though, and these guys busted their ass. And also, Trey Miguel did have to win this one. It just made all the sense in the world. But honestly, kudos to these two dudes. They absolutely and literally smashed it. Gia Miller was then back with Rich Swan, and he too did exactly what he needed to do. He was all like, everyone's talking about Kenny Omega, but I know I'm the man. I'm in my house. I'm in Impact Wrestling for life, and I'm going to make sure I back it up by going out there and winning all the gold. I mean, he didn't. He absolutely failed. But my word, I believed him. We then had the biggest surprise of the night, or at least for me personally, because Finjuice retained their tag team championships as they took on the Good Brothers. Like, if I would have done a prediction league, I would have gone with Gallows and Anderson, and as ever, I would have been wrong up. And really, this was just an easy-to-watch, old-school, classic wrestling match. I mean, the good guys had a little bit, the bad guys had a little bit, because Gallows is a massive man. He cut off Finley at one point and whipped his ass as Juice was like, quick, quick, tag me. It was everything you'd ever seen. It was done very well. Juice was in there sooner rather than later, because this didn't go as long as I presumed that it would have done. And when Finn Juice went from the dude's name device, Gallows just pushed Finley off the top rope. And my word, did he take a horrible fall, much like Humpty Dumpty. Somehow Finn was able to get back to his feet though, get in the ring, stop the magic killer, and there was so much going on, Juice Robinson was like, hey, I can use the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment and a surprise roll-up. He did, and yeah, like I say, got the one, two, three, those belts going back to Japan. And this did feel a little less grand than I was expecting, but also Impact announced about three pay-per-views over the next few months. You've got to imagine we're getting a rematch and then eventually Gallows and Anderson will be tag champs once again. Kenny Omega was then responding to Rich Swan via Don Callis. Omega is such a wonderful moron because he wouldn't even cut a pre-match promo and Don Callis essentially did what he's been doing over the last few weeks and he did it tremendously well. I also think at one point he said that Kenny was the best wrestler of the last 3,000 years. So if you want to update your history books, now you have all the information you Another tire match followed and we got another attention as Tenille Dashwood was taken on Deonna Parazzo for the Women's Championship. Honestly, thank goodness for that. That's nothing against Dashwood either. It's just, as I've already said on Impact Ups and Downs, this feud has been built too fast and all of a sudden we're meant to look at Dashwood and go, oh, well, she used to be like social media influencer love person, but now she's a really good technical wrestler. And you can tell that tale, but not in two weeks. Parazzo is also having a really good reign, so it was so hard to buy into the story that we were trying to tell here, which is the reason I'm glad we didn't change the title. There's also so much nonsense going on with this as well, because of course at ringside you had Kimberly, Susan, and Caleb with a K. I mean, at one point, Kimber and Susan were just on the apron screaming at the referee when Tennille Dashwood had the match won. What did the referee do? 
He just stood there like, well, I suppose this is okay. And then Caleb with a K was actually trying to beat them up, but he failed and he had his ass whipped instead. Dashwood then had it won after the spotlight kick and Kimberly grabbed her foot and pulled her off Diana. And once again, the official decided, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I was like, come on, man, this is flubbing ridiculous. And in all the madness, once again, Tanil Dashwood walked into the Queen's Gambit and Diana Parazzo got the one, two, three. So this was just distraction central, and I get it, we're meant to fear Diana Parazzo's group because they're always going to do this kind of thing. But I don't really think Tanil Dashwood came across as the babyface either. So for me personally, this one didn't really click. That's why it's got to get it down. That doesn't mean I don't think both aren't very talented, though. I do. Sometimes I do. So people go, oh, you just think they're crap. No, I don't. Just personally, as an entertainment watcher, this one passed me by. The fallout was really fun, though, because as predicted, Taylor Wilde did make her return to the company. She beat up Kimberly, she beat up Susan, and she looked at the Arpratzer like, hey, I want a title shot. You'll probably get one very soon. Or at least we can do some tag team matches with Tanil Dashwood. We've set it up. It was then time for our main event, and honestly, even if you haven't watched Impact Wrestling for a long-ass time, Find yourself 20 to 30 minutes, sit down on a couch, put it on, and go and watch Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan for the TNA, for the Impact, for the AEW World title. It is just a fabulous contest which did exactly what it needed to do. Omega was Mr. Arrogant to start with, with actually costing, because given that Kenny Omega has been a massive dick for weeks, Rich Swan was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a massive dick for you. And this may have worked for him. And then sadly for Rich Swan, Kenny Omega dropped his head right on the apron and i swear if rich swan didn't get injured from that he is some kind of superhuman it looked absolutely disgusting it also gave kenny all the reason in the world to start going after swan's head because of course what does the v trigger do it smacks somebody's in the face and what does the one wing angel do it tries and breaks your skull it didn't actually last that long either because instead we started playing wrestling tennis so kenny was going for v triggers and one winged angels but rich swan has such heart and such desire he was kicking away, he was doing roll-ups, he was hitting frog splashes. The pace of this thing was just stupid. They kind of fluffed this electric chair into a powerbomb thing from the top rope because both guys kind of crashed down to the canvas. There's every chance they did mean to do that because as soon as Omega was back to his feet, he started ruining Rich Swan with dragon suplexes. But even then, Rich kept fighting back. And at one point, he was going to go for the lethal injection, but Kenny Omega grabbed the referee and he put him in the way to the point he got hit with the cutter instead. And I kind of assumed that one referee was going to have to get murked given the segment we had earlier, but I did not see this one coming. <laughs> so bravo. It actually surprised Omega that it worked to the point Rich Swan was still able to hit a cutter. He then followed it up with the Magistral. And honestly, if you wanted to believe that Rich Swan was actually going to win this, this was the moment he got such a close near to... But I'll ask Kenny Omega kicked out. Swan did it again when he ducked a V-trigger and hit a Mishinuku driver. And then he went for a Phoenix Splash and missed that. And then Kenny Omega went nuts and started kneeing him in the face. Hit the J-driller for another near fall. And at this point, I was exhausted. And yes, there's every chance that Rich Swan was exhausted too. Because now everyone's going, oh my gosh, in the last 10 minutes, Rich Swan looked like he was out of breath. He looked like his cardio was done. Okay, let's look at this from both points of view. One, let's say that he was out of breath. Well, it tied into the story because if wrestling was quote-unquote real, that would happen. And two, maybe he was working us. And if he did, once again, it also tied into the story. I don't see what the problem is. There was one last terrific tease at the end where Omega had basically killed Rich Swan, but because he took too long to go for the cover, Swan went for one last Phoenix Splash. But that didn't work out. He finally got the big V-trigger. He got the one ring angel, and he pinned Rich Swan 
Meaning now Kenny Omega is the AEW World Champion. He's the AAA World Champion. He's the Impact World Champion. And he is the TNA World Champion. He has four flipping belts. The belt collector has arrived. This was so great, though. The amount of stories you can tell afterwards are plentiful. Everybody, including the AEW crew, stood in the ring at the end. was all like, well, we've done it. We've done it. And I'm also super excited to see what happens with Rich Swan now. Because he's going to need to have some kind of redemption story. Or he's going to be killed when Moose hears about this. This was easily Impact's best pay-per-view in ages, though. And not just because of the main event. It made me feel very happy. And that's why, overall, it is getting it up. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.